we're back. The Nerd Sandwich Crew is back, uh, and we've got a fantastic episode for you all, That those of you that are tuning in. Uh, I am your host, John, and I have Miles with me today. Yo. Um, he's, uh, he's ready. We're going we're gonna to be talking about some kind of like origin stories uh, for us, <laughs> right? Like, Nerd Sandwich origins. Yeah, so where we kind of <clears throat> found our love and place in the nerdy kingdom of, of all things, uh, ranging from video games, anime, uh, graphic novels, comics, you know, anything really. Um, and I think what's cool for you, Miles, you, you and I have such, I mean, I think we're, we have similar interests, but we've, we've got a lot of, uh, we got a lot of range just between the two of us. Um, oh, hell yeah. Yeah. So we'll, we're going to talk about where it came from. How, how young did we start? And also, I guess, even the difficulties of even attaining some of this uh, knowledge. Um, yeah, we'll see. But yeah, that's, that's the episode today. And I'll cue the intro right here. Nerd Sandwich Comics Movies Nerd Sandwiches Woo 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 Alright, we're here. We're going to be talking about some of these nerdy things. Um, Miles, I'll ask you some questions, and you know, you, you know, I'll answer my own questions too. Um, but yeah, wh- wh- what was the f- your first, if you can recall, your first interaction with something nerdy, whether it's video game, anime, whatever, like the thing that hooked you? And maybe, maybe I guess to maybe rephrase it, maybe not necessarily the very, very, very first thing, the, the one thing that hooked you. The one thing that hooked me. Wow. Such a, I mean, between all the things, I mean, you know, being a nerd is such a umbrella term, especially in 2021 for so many things. There's so much nerd content. Like, so it's like, man, was it a comic book? Was it an anime? Was it a video game? Like, was it a movie? It could be a billion things. And I don't know. There's a lot of things that come to mind, I guess. But like seeing as how my dad, um, my dad was a huge nerd, so I kind of inherited those genes from him. He was like a huge Star Trek fan, Star Wars fan. Um, he had some comic books. He had the Death of Superman. Like, oh really? <laughs> I, re- I remember reading that from him. That was huge and awesome read. Um, when he let me borrow it, like every now and then, because he was really like very particular about keeping it safe and stuff. <laughs> it was very cool. Wow. But uh, and you know that's just like experiencing my dad's stuff i'd walk in on him like watching some sci-fi he loved the sci-fi channel so like he would just stay watching that like whatever comes on there uh you know like uh stargate <laughs> huge That's stargate cool. fan as well <laughs> but for me uh when i really got hooked myself on my own personal like just interest um i think i was watching a vhs for some completely unrelated like cartoon right it was a cartoon that had we had rented from blockbuster or some rental video place and you know just something that parents do to entertain their kids and one of the trailers before the actual like showing of the cartoon was a trailer for dragon ball like the og dragon ball not even dragon ball z and I remember just seeing like this kid just like running around and just wrecking this army. <laughs> just, just like, man, he's going through tanks. People are shooting at him. He can't be touched. He's flying on a cloud. He's got this power pole that extends. 
he is just messing people up. And I remember just thinking, like, I haven't seen anything like this before. And this is amazing. And little did I know, I didn't even know it was Dragon Ball because, like, I had not, I didn't remember what it was. Like, all I knew was that there was this kid fighting this army and I enjoyed it. And I was like, man, I got to remember this for later. And I never did. And it wasn't until I watched Dragon Ball Z, like, like years later, like on Toonami. And then, like, you know, eventually they came out with dra- the Dragon Ball afterwards because America's weird about how they broadcasted that show. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, when they finally showed Dragon Ball, I was like, oh, my God, this is the show that I saw when I was, like, five or six. This is it. <laughs> and so, like, Dragon Ball was implanted in my brain, like, at a super early age without me even knowing it was until, like, later. It was like a bomb that went off much later. It was so cool. Wow. Wow, that's cool. And so, um, so was is Goku like your hero now? <laughs> yeah. He's kind of like a, a corny dad. Let's say that. <laughs> that's, exactly, that's exactly what he would be, too. You know, like that. that yeah. I mean, that's what he is, I guess. It's like foundational. Cool. He helped uh-huh. you get to where you are today, but he's like, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I think Dragon Ball has shown its age and its weaknesses in certain areas, but like it's foundational for like a whole generation. Like a lot of people's first anime is Dragon Ball Z. Um, and like, that's huge. And like, I'll always love and respect Dragon Ball Z for what it did for a lot of my people. Like I've connected with so many people just on a shared interest in Dragon Ball Z over like at after school time. And so like, I'm always gonna have love for it that way. So it is like a dad, like a corny dad to me. <laughs> that's awesome. You know, and I think the, you know, anime, too, is such a, a mysterious force back then, too. Yeah, because you had to watch it at specific times, oh, on yeah. specific channels, and you would hope that they were, watch, you know, you were able to watch the previous episode. Otherwise, you don't know what's happened. Like, there's nothing you can do. Like, if you missed an episode, you're done. Oh, man, and continuity is so important in anime. It's not like yeah. cartoons where you're just like, oh, here's the wacky hijinks of the day. Like, this is like, you missed it. <laughs> like, somebody died today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and exactly. they got brought back to life. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, I think for me, it was, uh, I'm th- trying to think as early as possible. I do remember watching my uncle play Resident Evil 2. Uh, nice. Yeah, when like one of the earliest times uh, I remember where we were living, and uh, my uncle had had a PlayStation One. I remember I also saw Crash Bandicoot. Um, those were one of the earliest. Like, wow! I was like, what is this? These, this is like really cool. And I remember I wasn't sure how it worked. Like, can I even have a PlayStation? Like, do children own these things? Like, how does one, how does a child go about acquiring one of these? <laughs> um, you know, like, it's like a mystery. It's like a mystery. Like, do I buy it myself? I don't even know how you buy it. Like, I don't even know what money is, you know, really don't have like a true grasp on these concepts. Uh, so I kind of like didn't really pursue it immediately. I was just kind of confused and I never had a PlayStation for like a really long time. The original PlayStation <clears throat> did look like a fancy piece of machinery. Like, yeah. It was like this gray box, super boxy. Like, it's a lot. It, it looks like a, a child should not be handling it. And exactly. Plus, there was that was the time when, like, CDs were starting to be huge. And so people were like, how do I hold this thing without scratching it? Like, I remember being super scared when someone handed me, like, a CD or, like, a PlayStation game. Because I'm like, holy crap, if I touch it, it's going to get ruined forever. 
and like you'll never be able to play it. And I'm like, man, a kid should not have this. I was like, I wanted the cartridges where I could just blow on it, beat it up, throw it around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like it made sense that you plug it in here, you know, put it in. Yep. <laughs> uh, uh, CD, yeah, no, there was a, definitely a delicate like operation in like handling it. And yeah, and that's where I was like, I don't know. My hands are always sticky as a kid, you know, like, <laughs> like I can't, I, I, am I even supposed to? Uh, but yeah, but I, I, that was one of my earliest interactions with like just something nerdy and eventually became one of my main hobbies in life, like something I share with. Uh, I express it in every way of my uh, my being most of the time. I have Solaire uh, from Dark Souls. I have a, a crocheted Solaire in front of me, in front of my desk. Um, I've got, the, you know, play, two PlayStations in my home, you know, and it's like it's led to who I am now. But back then, yeah, I thought that was like, I thought that was machinery. Like only you had to wear like a hard hat, goggles. <laughs> you gloves. need a business suit as well. <laughs> like, <laughs> like this is for grown people only. Like, yeah. also you saw those graphics, man. They're playing. They were playing what looked like movies back then. <laughs> yeah, Laura Croft. He was yeah. so, so many guns. <laughs> that Crack. was the big boy system. Yep. Crash. Remember. Oh, oh go, go ahead. ahead. No, you. I was gonna say it Crash Bandicoot. Like I remember seeing him, his eyes blink, and I'm like, "This is like real. He's like a real person." Sure, know, sure, he's crazy. sure he's super blurry and fuzzy, and I can't really make out any features. Hey, but it's like it felt so real. Um, Definitely. I. Do you ever like look back at your time with gaming and be like, "Man, what if I took the alternate path?" I just feel like there's like you know. I, I would say maybe two or three branches if you're like a gamer, probably like a millennial gamer, right? Mm-hmm. Like you either took the Nintendo Sega path or you took like the Sony like Xbox path. And like that could, could completely change the way that you like look at gaming or like affect your life completely. Like, and I remember I say this because I had a specific moment where I had to choose in my life. Like it was like my ninth birthday or something like that. And my dad was like, all right, you can get a new console. It can be a Nintendo 64 or it can be a PlayStation. (laughs) (laughs) Can't be both. And you're never going to have both, Miles. Exactly. exactly. (laughs) (laughs) There's no turning back. Once you get one, it's over. And so, like, we rented. That's back when you can rent consoles, too, from Blockbuster. And so we rented one of each and, like, a couple games for each one. And, like, you know... I rented Nintendo 64 and I played Diddy Kong Racing on that one. I think I think that was it. And on PlayStation, I rented this game called Blast Corps. I don't even think anyone even knows what that game is at this point. Hmm. No, but I've... but that that choice <laughs> that choice of game that I picked, I didn't really care for it that much. It was like okay, and but Diddy Kong Racing I really loved, and so that was like okay, Nintendo 64 it is, and that completely changed my my trajectory you know like what if i picked the playstation like i could be a final fantasy a bigger final fantasy fan that i am now or have the tekken experience that people talk about like having played that or i had never played any of the tomb raiders i never like had like i don't know i named some other playstation favorites like i didn't really play crash bandicoot like that none of that final but fantasy 9 final yeah. fantasy 9 7 8 9 nope 
I, I didn't come to those little, till way later in my adulthood just because I was jealous of my friends talking about their Final Fantasy experiences. <laughs> Resident Evil, like, I mean, Resident Evil 2 was on 64, but that is a whole nother <laughs> experience entirely. So, like, I had a Super Mario 64, like, you know, like uh, Donkey Kong 64, Mario Kart, Star Fox. That was the things I ended up playing. And so that completely changed my trajectory, right? Because mm -hmm. then... I ended up getting a GameCube because, well, yeah, I'm a big Nintendo fan at this point. I, and then I went to the Wii and then, you know, and so on and so forth until eventually I ended up, you know, trying out the other side. But, like, I can see how someone can become a devoted PlayStation fan forever if they started with a PlayStation 1 and then just kept following the numbers, you know? PlayStation 2 was one of the greatest consoles of all time. Why would you not get that if, if you hear one's coming out? Exactly. Exactly. And I had a DVD player. Oh, um, yeah. Even better, you know, even more reason. And the argument of like getting it to the parents, like, you know, hey, you know, this thing called DVDs, like it, it can play on this PlayStation and it's cheaper than a DVD player, <laughs> <laughs> which is which was kind of ridiculous to think about, you know, like, wow, like it is a mega deal, like a deal beyond deals. Like, man, of course. Yep. Yep. Yeah, um, but yeah, I followed the PlayStation route, and I never looked back. I have never owned an Xbox. Um, I do feel bad for the people during this console, you know, path war, or whatever. Um, the people that chose a Dreamcast and were like, "This is gonna be my first system. I'm going Ooh. the Sega route," and then and it just doesn't ever pan out. That was me. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't my first, but I did have a Dreamcast, and I I was totally on Team Sega like for a while after the '64. Um, but then I had to switch over, you know. Once they <laughs> they just bowed out of the race altogether, <laughs> like we're yeah. done, we quit. Discontinued and everything. That that must have been heartbreaking, you know. Like I'd love to talk to someone that's that's still feeling the ramifications of that choice. Um. Like they just stopped gaming. Like they stopped. Yeah. I I don't even care. Dreamcast was an amazing system, one of the best. Like it had a <laughs> short run, but it was I had like such a great library, and I will always love the Dreamcast. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was uh, Marvel versus Capcom too. Oh, yes, the gem, absolute yep. gem. Soul Calibur, Sonic Adventure. Yep. Power Stone. Oh. I could go on forever. Um. Yeah, so like these uh, these games are like yeah like these choices we made in systems. So I remember we've talked about this too. Um, I was more of a Crash Team Racing person. Uh, you were a Mario Kart kind of guy, or Diddy mm -hmm. Kong, and Both. <laughs> and I just I didn't play Diddy Kong. I've never played Diddy Kong Racing actually. Um, whole life never played it. I just assume it's the same thing as Mario Kart. But I won't nope. tell people. I won't tell people. That. <laughs> yeah, um, don't say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I won't. I, I don't tell people. Yeah, I just I, that's what I think. Yeah, instead um, you should just tell people on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, like th those choices, though. Like you know, I, I love Crash, and I love. I'm, I'm. I would say I'm a pretty loyal Sony owner. Like I've have all Playstations. I've had Playstations. I've had every system, even including the Vita and the PSP. Um. And I, you know, I flaunt those things. I, I love the nerdy side of my life. Like it's definitely led to different branching paths of trying different things. And this is what I was going to ask you next too. Like, at what point did you hit like the next thing? Like, uh, so you started with anime. It sounds like, uh, 
what 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 you know what at what point did like your different nerdy things kind of like start to combine so like what I, what i'll say is like so as as i i have a 10 year old daughter and what my journey through through nerdiness with her has been and i see it a lot in myself and other people once you like something you think that that's the only thing you can like and you feel like the, the branching out part just feels like almost silly it almost feels rude to, <laughs> to like oh i can't play other things outside of crash or in her case i can't watch anything else outside of my hero academia that's where i started that's where everything is i why would i want more um and then I show her some other stuff, and now she's like loves other things. But at first, she was very, very hesitant. She wouldn't even admit that she would like it. She'd be like, "I just want to watch more of this, but I don't like it." <laughs> like, okay, all right. It's a weird like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, what 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 point did you kind of like have a uh, like? I'm gonna explore. I don't know comics or. Huh. You know, I never really thought about it in that sense of like, you know, branching, like when I started to branch into different like nerdy mediums or other things like that. I guess comics was later because I did like, I don't know, I just never, I feel like comics was like a money issue. And there was also like an accessibility issue, especially in the 90s when we were going through the extreme like gory, violent, edgy phase. The dark was I think it's called the dark age. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And comics um, were comics are, were are a difficult medium to get into in general, in my opinion. It's true, and we didn't have like we didn't have superhero movies back then in that kind of sense. So like, if you were interested in Spider Man, all you, you could all you could do is go to your comic book store and like start with an issue or buy some collected paperback for some exorbitant amount of money that you didn't want to pay. So mm-hmm. like. I mean, I didn't have much to go on, but I did have, you know, I get, did get the chance to read my dad's Death of Superman comic. And like that was pretty foundational. I'm not even a big Superman fan like that, but seeing him die, amazing. <laughs> it, it, it's a great, it's a great run. And it was super thick too. It was like the thickest comic book I'd ever seen because I'm so used to those like flimsy little paper one issue type things yeah. that you might see at like the, the, the grocery store or whatever not like my dad ever took me into a shop or anything like that. And he wasn't an avid collector, but he had specifically that collected paperback of uh, Death of Superman. So like, I just like devoured it when I read it and I wanted to know everything about what happened after. Like, well, who's Superboy? And who's this, who's Steel? And like all these, and all these other like Superman clones and like people that they tried to have fill in his shoes after he left. Mm-hmm. It was a... Uh, that definitely started me down a rabbit hole of like getting into more comics. That's for sure. I don't even know what age that was, but I was pretty young for sure. Mm-hmm. I remember really liking Spider-Man, the animated TV series. Oh, uh, hell yeah. That was so good. <clears throat> That's a fantastic series. And Batman. Batman was also a good one. Um, I didn't understand though that they, you know, Marvel and DC either. So I was like, oh, yeah, why can't they interact? I was like, well, you know, because they're both, you know, Batman and Spider-Man. Like, they're, they've got to be the same idea. Um, <laughs> but I remember loving watching those series and just being somewhat confused at things because I was like, I, 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 I don't think I've actually watched all of Spider-Man in its continuity. You know, I've watched episodes here and there after school or, you know, I wouldn't watch it every day because it wasn't something that we were really committed to. But 
I remember loving it so much. It was just so foundational <laughs> and like, oh, Spider-Man's cool. He does powers and then it's he has powers and does stuff. And like, oh, he interacts with X-Men and like all these other heroes. I oh, was X-Men. Familiar. Yeah. So like, iconic, both of those. And yeah. and the Batman animated series. Just all just iconic of that specific time period. Mm-hmm. I remember every time that I watch Spider-Man, it's always the Venom episode when he gets the symbiote suit. And every <laughs> single time, if you're just turning on a random episode of Spider-Man, it is always that episode. <laughs> um, you know, and, and that was, um, you know, and there was a point where I thought like comics and some of these things like video games, I thought it was for children only. And I think oftentimes it's, you know, it's catered towards it, but it doesn't have to stop there, you know, like, and I think that's kind of what we're seeing now in media, like the Marvel movies and other media are like it's it's being created by the people that watched it uh, or you know learned about it as kids um because we didn't let go to habit or to hobby sorry we didn't let go of those hobbies and see them as like uh childlike etc i mean that's happening with power rangers right now like we have the uh like you know like adult reboot yes I mean, you talk about the movies, like the yeah. I mean, the movie that came out, the the American one, that one, and also like there's a new one too, the the White Dragon. I don't know anything about that. Is it yeah. a Japanese one only, or is that an American one? It's not. It's American. Actually, uh, Jason David Frank is part of it wow. as well. Good yeah, thing. yeah, and it's it's like you know, it's meant to be catered towards that audience that loves loved the you know Power Rangers back then, but now it's going to be more adult themes and you know and, the, and i think that's kind of beautiful to know that these things weren't just short-lived hobbies or short-lived interests that's true you know like i think that's... it's significantly more common to find uh you know a star trek fan star wars fan now than it was even back then yeah that's very true actually and to to that point of uh, power rangers you know like i didn't re- like when you're talking about how like uh, you watch these things as a child and how it affects your life, you know, growing up later, it's like I am just now reaping the benefits, <laughs> if you want to call it benefits, of having <laughs> watched Power Rangers as a child. Because I had no idea that Power Rangers was an entire like genre of like fiction, and it's like called Super Sentai, essentially in Japan. You know, these like powered team of rangers or also tokusatsu where you basically transform into like this kind of powered person or whatever and like japan has had like a huge long history with this whole thing and like it wasn't until recently in the last like year or two that i've been looking up more of these tokusatsu works like common rider ultraman like some of the kaiju works like have like this kind of stuff in it and, like, I've been trying to explore that more, like, recently because I'm, like, super interested in, like, you know, <laughs> these these uh, <laughs> these martial art robot people <laughs> fighting giant monsters in the city, destroying stuff. I think it is amazing. Like, I think, like, I still have, like, I don't know, the imagery of Ultraman in my head from having seen it when I was a kid, it still hangs there and still, like, informs my decisions. It still makes me think about the greatness of those moments from time to time. And like, I still want to capture that again. And I just watched an anime that kind of pays homage to that called SSSS Gridman, which is supposed to be like a 
which is by Trigger. Yeah, you, you remember Trigger, right? Oh, goodness, yeah. Yeah, Trigger, and it's just their love letter to Tokusatsu works. And so, like, I'm just like, I'm, I'm all in. Like, let's go. Like, I want to see, I would love to see a love letter to those works from my childhood. That's awesome. And, you know, and, like, <clears throat> I think the, like, the West in general, and I guess, the, yeah, the, the United States, um, it's so... Um, I feel like it's just unsure how it wants to define media for like children and adults. Like it just feels like it has to be one or the other. Right. Um, And I feel like Japan, uh, I I don't know history of all this, but anime just seems to be widely much more accepted. Well, it's been accepted for a much longer period of time than it has been here. I think once the U S found out it makes money now it's, now it's very present. And now I think they're like investing more into like dubs and just like different types of anime. Um, um, and we got Netflix like making a whole bunch of adaptations, and I'm like, that's cool. <laughs> exactly, uh, things wouldn't have been possible, and like the, the, we're living in an age where like everything is just so accessible. Um, from video game, like old video games, like you know e- everything, um, graphic novels, like you can consume these things now without, mostly without shame. I mean, it's not like you have to hide it. You don't have to like search out through i don't know illegal means or shady means to collect things oh man that was absolutely my life before and yeah i i hear i hear exactly what you're talking about because there is kind of an element of shame like not necessarily shame but more like you're isolated from the rest of the world when you were like into something like anime back then at least it do you, all you had was illegal sites to go off of. This was before Crunchyroll, before mm-hmm. Funimation had their own real streaming service. Like you had what came on cable and then you had like these expensive DVDs that you either imported or bought from, you know, Sam Goody, FYE, whatever like yeah. local video store that you could find, you know? And then you get shitty dubs or you get like <laughs> weird subtitles, stuff like that. It became a really... Up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was all really niche and like you were just relying on the community to like help provide info whenever they could you would hear about stuff from word of mouth or on like weird internet forums and like that sounds interesting but i wonder if i'll ever get a chance to see it you know yep and uh yeah that illegal aspect of it kind of brought like this almost shame where you're like man i'm into this thing that i know that most people cannot access normally so i know that i won't be able to share this with just any person that i talk to you know it's not like i can just like walk up to a girl on the street and be like hey you know xyz like i can do that today but like back then it was less likely to have those shared interests you know Uh and i think people thought it was just odd like oh you like this you like re-watching japanese cartoons you know we'll say that um and you how do you know what they're saying like well subtitles you know exist um and you know try explaining that to someone that is very close-minded or just doesn't understand at all what the medium is and you know i could see that i could see that spelling out entirely like oh well i guess this interest makes me weird i guess i don't need to pursue it you know I'll, i'll let go of it maybe it's just a phase you know of like like right. these things because it's so bizarre from an outside perspective and now we can get merchandise anywhere you can go to hot topic and buy hunter hunter clothing or you know like yeah. 
you can go anywhere and find anime or video game related things, not just going to like Funko Land <laughs> to get used video, <laughs> game, whatever. I was just at the movie theater today and I saw someone wearing a Full Metal Alchemist t-shirt. And I was like, that guy can be my friend. Exactly. Right? Like, hey, thanks for the thanks for letting me know. I see you. Good series, you know? Right. You know, like that was not was not common back in the 90s. I'll just say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think of the things I even look at my daughter's room and she has like all the things that you would, you know, would want as a kid as all the things i wish i would have had as a kid but like where would i have found it back then like you know there, you wouldn't be able to print out like a uh, you know a sailor moon blanket or like uh, you know I, I purchased on amazon uh, uh my hero academia ua uh, high school student uniform and you know like where would you have gotten that back then you, right. who would you who would you even ask i wouldn't know where to start like there's yeah, no, make it yourself that's it and hope that there's some like artist there working on something you pay them you know exactly and now it's it's there's just so much more accessible and i love it i see some hate and i don't know if you ever see it's just people that are like it's too accessible now um now it's it's it's, uh watering down the medium like now there's there's fake fans everywhere and i'm like "Eh, i'm not into that kind of fans (laughs) you know gatekeeping like hey the more the merrier at this point you know yes um, like things, unfortunately, things won't exist unless they make money, and they have to make money through like merchandise. And plus, I want to spend my money on those things, you know. You know, I read uh, this is a fun fact. I read that um, there is of all the anime. Um, yeah, I guess the, here's what I'll say: the the fact is that mo- most of the anime that has been created has been in the last like ten years. Like wow, wow. Like, there's so much anime out now as opposed to what came out, like, back when we were young that it has just exploded in, like, in terms of, like, just how many are out. Like, more than people can possibly watch or review all by themselves, you know? And I find that super interesting how, like, it is... I think it was, like, 80%. It was, like, some ridiculous, like, number where, like, 80% of all, like, anime is released, like, recently because of how like wide and how mainstream it's gotten and how profitable anime has become. So like it has gone from a narrow <laughs> hole to like a very wide pool. Very and the thing, quickly. Was, thing is it's always been there too. You know what I mean? Like all these, these mediums, these, this, this content that has become animes or was formerly OVAs or whatever, like it's always been present. Like, cause you know, some manga, like, when did One Piece start? When was One Piece first published? Ninety nine, I believe. <clears throat> so yeah, see, I, w- I was nine years old, and it's still going, and it's fantastic. And I don't know when the anime started. Like, do you, I don't know if you would know that, like the first episode of the anime. Mm, I don't know that one, but some you know, maybe like a couple years later, maybe early two thousand. Yeah, and like just I don't know, just knowing that it's like things like this have existed, and now we're we're just now finding like oh yeah we should animate these things and make them good because people love it and people will buy merchandise people like it's just i'm it, we're, we're we're able to create more nerds through that like just cuz we it is accessible and it's 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 something you can do legally there's things you can 
there's groups you can join to like just be like I'm, i want to be accepted i want to learn lessons in life I, I don't know there's so many things that you could do with uh this accessibility of anime and video games you know even that I, we haven't even talked too much about that but like i feel like back in the day like video games were so weird <laughs> um in regard to like quality and you yes. could never you could never know when a video game was going to be good true i mean it was before the way that we have reviews now we don't we didn't have metacritic <laughs> you know we didn't have I, ign as streamlined and was respected as a source as like it is today i guess or i guess disrespected ign is a mixed bag but at least in the sense where you can just easily access like everyone's opinions on a game and make that decision like it was not as clear back then you know mm. you just kind of had to take a chance you go to your local store either buy it straight up and just like hey this is for me or this is absolute garbage broken and never going to be work never going to be patched because there are no patches it's just broken yeah it is what or, it is yeah or you just yeah you rent you know Mm-hmm. It was a, it was a fun time though. Lots of surprises, and I ended up trying a whole bunch of new stuff because of the way that gaming was back then. Yeah, um, it, partly because I'm young, I was young and had a really malleable mind that was just like, "Hey, I'll just try whatever." Games, all games are fun when you're a kid, right? Yep. <laughs> and now I'm a jaded adult where I'm like, a strategy RTS. I don't think that's for me. Yeah. And you got to watch like five reviews first. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm not. I'm not paying forty dollars. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. To put to buy this game and never play it because you don't have enough time. Yeah, even if you love it, you're like, this is totally for me. I, you play like two hours and then you never play it again. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, but even I'm thinking even games like. Um, you know, video games weren't even accessible in the sense of online play. You know, like you couldn't play with just anybody. You had to play on the couch. Uh, now, you know, you can play with anyone in, across the world. Like you and I can play Bloodborne whenever we want it, or we can play like any game, really, as long as it's online. Um, That's true. I and think it's you, awesome. You know, and like back then, I feel like everyone just had to experience like single player games. And I miss that, to be honest. I miss truly single player moments and like just experiencing games like with the focus of single player. I don't, I, I'm, I'm talking about like, you know, games like uh, that, that forced online component or forced some kind of, you know, microtransactions. The, the, the time before that, um, I miss those kind of days. But like, again, I'm still so happy that like more money is being put towards games um, to be better. Like we're looking for like stories and like you know even massive online games. Like I'm, I'm ha- sometimes I think I hear people being upset like the fact that fact that like Fortnite is a is a popular and successful game because it like ruins the medium or whatever. It's you know it's but like I'm not trying to gatekeep with video games either. You know what people like, right. what people like. <clears throat> I do say I will miss. I still miss local multiplayer. I know that that's just going to be a relic of the past. Like, it already kind of is. And it's yeah. rare when you see it. But, like, man, local multiplayer is amazing. Couch co-op. It's hard, uh, to, find, it's hard to find games that let you do four-player split screen. Yeah, split screen in general. Like, the idea of splitting the screen, like, no way. <laughs> like, nobody wants to do that anymore. And it's kind of sad. Like, some of my favorite, like, moments with friends were, like, when they're right there with me, you know? You can't get that. I mean, you, you, can, you get a different and also 
amazing experience with the online chatting experience, right? But like, there is also something special that was lost from having that person next to you, like on the couch, just passing them the controller. Or like the way that you guys, when you're doing like a shooter against each other and then you try to like screen look and or, yeah. or stop your other friend from screen looking at your screen, you know? Uh, yep. I used to moments. do it. I used to, I, I would my screen looked all the time. <laughs> <laughs> you're that guy and now we got to put a cardboard partition between the screen so that you don't look <laughs> <laughs> um you know and like i think again like games are just so much more um I- i'll say better nowadays um and I-, I a lot of my examples come from my experience with my daughter so like i have been playing hyrule warriors uh age of calamity with her and I told Joe about this, like my brother, because like we grew up playing Dynasty Warriors um, on the PlayStation Two. Like I love the Dynasty Warriors Three, great Speaking game, of some great local co-op, yeah, mm. split screen. Um, you know, and I think back then, I, I think the nostalgia eyes, you know, the, the rose rose tinted glasses were on. I'm positive it was not nearly as good as what Age of Calamity is right now. <laughs> I think what I'm experiencing now with my daughter with Age of Calamity. And how I experienced it back then, I think it's the same thing. I think it was just as uniquely like amazing. Like, oh wow, I'm in this massive battlefield with another person, and I get to see them moving in my screen. You know, like I get to see them doing whatever they're doing, like attacking enemies, and like it just felt like so, um, so engaging and interactive of a world. I mean, now I look and I'm like, that was garbage in comparison. Um, but now, like people get to like experience such high quality content from the start whereas back then it was like so experimental and questionable and you know it was cheaper to produce and like voice acting was usually awful but now we yeah but now we get this whole like medium of beautiful graphics you know no stuttering and frame rates you know like just things just look better I'm of two minds about this because I do agree with you that like quality has definitely upped itself and there has been a, and we've reached a point where there's a standard for gaming, you know, where like you got to reach a certain bar, like to make a game at this point. And you can't just like throw out whatever crap that you just thought of, like in the same way that you used to, but there's also some creativity that's lost from that. I kind of miss the experimentation. I miss I miss random weird games that just would just come out and just be like, whose idea was this? It could just be like someone's, like just one person's like idea that was brought to life by a company because they just took more risks back then. And like, I kind of miss those original stories or like, you know, it doesn't like when it, when it's terrible, it is terrible. (laughs) But when it's, but when it's good, it becomes the stuff of legend. It becomes the, you know, the earthbounds of our time, you know, it becomes like those really weird, just like once in a lifetime experiences. And like, you know, there's less room for that now in the AAA gaming space, like at least in terms of the expensive games. I mean, except for Death Stranding, which is a miracle in and of itself. (laughs) You know, I think of like even the games that spawned from some of that, like, well, like Marvel versus Capcom or like, you know, the, the, what I can't remember what it's called. X-Men. What is it? Uh, Children of the Atom. Yeah, you know, like those kind of things, and like even Smash Brothers, or you know, moving into like 3D gaming, like 3D fighters and stuff like that. Um, 
you know, we, we had to experience the bad ones too. I mean, I, I was actually, I, I watched this one YouTube channel, um, Matt, Matt McMuscles. Do you ever, do you ever check it out? Have you ever heard yes. of it? Um, I know of super best friends and I follow, um, Wooly versus. So <laughs> I guess gotcha. you took the opposite path. <laughs> yeah. I get yeah, branching paths. Matt McMuscles is such a great channel. The what happens, uh, series he has where he goes about around like the political, um, what happened to a game kind of situation and through, through mm. development. So he does a bunch of them. I highly recommend this is a little bit of, this is me going off, off topic, but it's like, it's so good. I highly recommend watching it and for your listeners. Like, Oh, if you want to l- listen to something that's like really detailed about literally what happened to a game. One of them I watched was, um, uh, Devil May Cry 2. Like, they like, what happened in this development oh that led this to happen? That the, we got the game that existed. And then he go, he has like a whole series. There's a bunch of them. I, I watch them and they're very entertaining and very informative. The Dark Souls one, the Dark Souls, uh, I'm sorry, no, the Demon Souls one is extremely inspiring, to be honest. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah, I really enjoyed that one. Um, and Dark Souls 2, actually. But, um, Dark yeah, Souls as well, or Dark Dark Souls two, two number two. Okay, yeah, I really enjoy. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed that those two in particular. Um, another one that I thought was good, DMC, the the reboot of Devil May Cry. Oh boy, yeah, <laughs> good one too. Highly, yeah, these are good. These are good choices. <laughs> yeah, if you if you get the chance, you should. If there's like there's probably a game or two in there that you're like, you know, you know, I do wonder what happened. Resident Evil Six. That was a good oh. <laughs> that's, a, that's a fun one. To, that was a yeah. fun one to watch. Um, Seriously, anyway, Marvel versus Capcom Infinite. Oh man! Oh man! You're hurting me. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, and I've been going through. It. Anyways, like I've been watching these, and uh, I forget what point I was trying to get at, but I've been watching these, and it, it makes me look back again. Like, yeah, games were so experimental to the point where like decisions were made that didn't make sense. Um. And I, that happens now still. I think, you know, games, I would never assume a game is going to be good, you know, just because of, yeah. the, you know, you just can't like, you know, we, that's how we get like the No Man's Skies or the Cyberpunks or, you know, even I'm somewhat questionable, even Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild 2, whatever it's called, you know, even fresher Breath of the Wild. I'm not sure. You know, <laughs> I, I, I think games have such a higher standard nowadays. But that doesn't ins- that doesn't ensure that they're going to be as good as you're hoping, you know. Like, yeah. I think you know games just are just different. It's different, but like I think you, we have an expectation at least that games are going to have at least a standard. What it seems like to me, it, um, and this is just my opinion on it, I just feel like games these days, when a game is bad, it feels like it's because of like, you know, capitalism and greed. You know, they're trying to make money off of something. And, like, they just don't put the amount of effort and, like, passion into it that they should because they just believe, like, oh, here's a franchise. We can milk it for money. Or here's – we can just put a bunch of microtransactions in here. Or, you know, it's just – it feels more like a lazy attempt or, like, a just, like, kind of mediocre, watered-down version of something that could be great instead of what it was in the past where it was, like, they just did random kooky ideas that just really just didn't work. <laughs> it's like, you know, it controls weird or like, you know, the art is weird or the story is weird. And like, it just doesn't connect with people. And it's like those kinds of things. I'd rather see those kind of failures than the ones that we're seeing today, which are based in just like knowing 
that they can make a profit or just trying to, or not putting enough budget into a game because they feel like it won't make enough of a profit, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like sad. It's like when, yeah, it's sad because gaming has become so huge that, you know, corporations and executives are just aware now of how much money they can make off of something because of the audience. And so, like, they're like, oh, okay, people don't, aren't huge into this property, so we don't need to pay to make, have this this possibly great game get made, you know? Yeah. Or if we do, we need to milk it with microtransactions right. or some kind of right. exactly. Yeah, to the fan base. We need, we need a return on investment. <clears throat> and it's like, that's what seems to be the main driving force behind, like, some of these games getting made as opposed to, you know, back in the day, like there was no guaranteed return on investment because the audience was so small. Like who, who knows what's going to be a smash hit? You know, they barely, they barely knew themselves. I feel like uh, I, I was listening to a podcast that was talking about the making of resident evil and the, um, they, they interviewed some of the creators and designers and like, they are just kind of like, they're really humble about it because they had no idea that it was going to be as huge as it was, you know? like as iconic as a franchise that is, has now become. But at the time they were just like making something that they kind of cared about. And like, that's beautiful. And they oh, just wanted to try some new stuff. And I think that's where a lot of the, the best, the best um, content comes from. Uh, like, again, I'll, I'll recall the Dem- demon souls. Um, what happened episode of Matt McMuscle's channel from Matt McMuscle's channel. Like, when people have this creative freedom to do what they want uh, and to really just put their passion into it and not like allow politics or, you know, other things to come into play, you you get some really beautiful things. Um, And I think the, and I have a hard time with this because like, you know, we are, we are, we we do participate in capitalism. This is a whole nother discussion. Maybe, I don't know. (laughs) As, as game franchises, anime, whatever progress, they have to make money, right? Like it has to have, that is part of the conversation at some point. Oh, how are you going to make this better so that it makes even more money? You know, making less or even the same amount isn't satisfactory. You know, and that that seems like a messed up a messed up standard for me. You also you know? have to maximize appeal, right? You like, mm-hmm. I mean, I can if if I get to turn this back towards anime, you know, like how often do you see like you know over sex, overly sexualized characters drawn in manga and in anime shows because they know that they can get appeal they can get a wider not a wider audience but more like young boys watching it if they can get if they can sexualize these characters you know or like or they'll introduce tropes and stuff like that that they know people will be interested in instead of going for like something just striking out and trying something in a completely new direction you know Mm-hmm. People want to want to create the mo- the largest audience as possible, which would get more money towards their publication. Shonen Jump is looking for the, like more readers, so like this is how they do it. This is how they pick the people that are going to be in their magazine. Mm-hmm. And then so and knowing that the creators of manga, manga, like they start writing their stories to have more sexualized characters. There's no reason for Yao Yorozu in My Hero Academia to be dressed the way she is, but I bet that that created a small uptick in the amount of readers by having her dressed that way mm-hmm. or by having Minetta be like the pervy character, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Because they're like, Oh yeah, everybody loves that character, you know, at least based off some kind of, I'm sure it's based off something, some study or um, something solid that's, you know, statistically proven. 
<laughs> or you know what right. I, right. this everybody loves this lovable love to hate character or whatever yeah yeah and i think that's i don't know that that's just part of i don't i guess business right like so yeah, every so, yeah anything that gets popular eventually succumbs to this issue so so when i hear people complaining and doing the gatekeeping thing like i hate gatekeeping but i do understand at least where their heart is coming from because there is a purity and like soul that does tend to slowly get sapped away from works when like you know when money is on the line when it becomes about making more money mm-hmm. yeah because like I, i'm even thinking like um certain certain franchises uh like last of us you know they got a sequel um you know at some point it was like of course it needs a sequel it made it was so good the first game let's make a second game and also let's make us let's make a tv show yeah Ugh. you know and like <laughs> what does that mean like is it is it a good thing or is it a bad thing um yeah let's make an uncharted <clears throat> movie you know mm-hmm. These, and- the- those kinds of things. Or let's make live action anime, you know, <laughs> adaptations. Yeah. Uh, did you see that Cowboy Bebop <laughs> trailer? I, I have not seen it yet, but I I'm I'll I'll watch it, but yeah. That's that's how it happens, you know? Like they just see an audience, they know that anime's huge. Like, why not we can grab some more people this way? And it's like, ah, I just wish that we took that funding and put it towards someone who wanted to strike out and make something truly great and unique. Something that could change the way that we move forward in this genre, you know? But I think until we, you know, again, you know, like I'll complain about, I've definitely participated in gatekeeping when it comes to certain uh, topics or certain genres or whatever. Um, Like I probably would. You know, but like I, I, I try to catch myself as best as I can. But I know I know I've participated in the past. But you know, I like if I had like a beloved franchise, like I'm thinking like let's say Devil May Cry. Um, I was extremely upset when the reboot happened. You know, I yeah, didn't same. want that, and I, and I highly recommend watching that episode too because it was all based off studies. They were like, oh yeah, the West wants to see based off this information. They want to see a change. The Dante that was cool back then, he isn't cool anymore. It's that that's research says that, you know, this is what is cool in Japan, but in you in the West, it is different. And then, you know, like those kind of decisions, you know, it's very political and it's like we want money. We need to change these things. These these um we, you know, let's let's make a card game too. Let's make a, you know, and just like all these things. One idea leads to another. Um and then things start to see, feel impure, I guess. Yeah, like it's not like it's not the truest form of this medium anymore. It's not done with out of passion, but just out of, or just, you know, money, money based interest. Yeah. But, you know, how do you separate them? Because, of course, I mean, the whole reason it's even being created is, well, to make money, right? Like to some but degree. To some degree. But like no one knows in the beginning when you're like, if you're truly doing it out of passion, you know, like. You're just making something just because you love it. You know, you you like it. Like, I'm sure that the, the first Devil May Cry just has a special attitude to it that could only come from, like, someone who cared. And it's like, by the time you get to DMC, you can tell that they're just aping the original idea, the original attitude that was there, and just you and milking it for its, for its audience, you know, based on studies and statistics. And it's like, that's not the way that we should be going about creating any kind of art, you know? But, mm-hmm. hey. hey. But that being awesome. said, you know, 
DMC is still a good game. And like, there are people that like it. And I don't want people to feel like they shouldn't like things that are made out of corporate interest because those things can still be good as well. I just wish that there was more like space for people to make things like out of pure passion instead of like, you know, there's just the ratio is off. I would say it's like 70, 30 in terms of like what's made from corporate interest and what's made out of pure passion. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's just part of like, you know, the nostalgia that we're experiencing on, you know, with certain franchises being rebooted or coming back or being extended like Cowboy Bebop or like, you know, just different medium jumps. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's just the way of life. And like, we're going to continue to see it. You know, I'm sure one day they'll make live actions of everything or like just reboots of everything remakes i'm waiting for the next shadow of colossus remake you know like where <laughs> they remaster it again like, like <laughs> they remaster or- the remake <laughs> yeah like you know and like that it's bound to ha- it's made money you know like it's it's just how it is but um i'd like i wouldn't mind an anime of that i don't know what it would be about exactly but i'd watch it maybe um, personally i would like to read a book of that because i think a book would be really like nice like a nice slow journey like that describes everything in great detail i would mm-hmm. think that shadow colossus would make a great book yeah yeah i could see yeah i could see that um yeah and I, I was gonna ask you too then so if you so you you've co- you you've uh, collected a series of knowledge for, about anime and video games and comics and like you know everything in between and outside um what's your like what is one of the most inspiring messages you've received or uh just some kind of something that's really imprinted on you uh as a person like something that's added to your character as a person i mean I the what immediately comes to mind is my anime experience and like anime is a I want to I want to start by clarifying that anime is a very wide umbrella term and like anything I say about anime is very is talking about a specific usually a specific slice of anime in this particular case shonen anime because that is what we were exposed to most like growing up and what I tend to love the most like as an adult too um, although I do love us some seinen too. But uh, in terms of shonen anime, uh, I think that the message that has imprinted on me the most is that I can always be a better person. Like I can change and I can grow and I can become this. I can follow my dreams to become something amazing. You know, I think that the power that they give to children, both in like the literal sense of having superpowers, but also in like the strength and conviction and willpower to change their their surroundings and their situations is just really inspiring and like again i talk about goku as a corny dad but like holy crap does that show make you want to work out or like feel like you can get stronger goku is just his whole idea is just wanting to fight to be stronger and wanting to fight for like healthy reasons too he just like wants to fight because he just likes fighting and just enjoys a, a healthy competition with someone else that's stronger than him you know it's not about like he's not all prideful about it or anything like that he just wants to be better than who he was yesterday and so like when he gets to that next level of super saiyan super saiyan 2 super saiyan 3 super saiyan god super saiyan blue you know it's just him improving himself and like we can all do that we can all work on ourselves to be the best versions of ourselves that we can be 
And that can, that can be a process that can never end. You know, it doesn't have, you don't ever have to stagnate unless you want to, unless you feel like you're comfortable where you are and you've done all that you needed to do. But, you know, for me, I love the idea of changing and growing and constantly learning and developing, getting stronger, getting smarter and Shonen just makes that always feel great. Mm-hmm. That's and I think a lot of anime that I've consumed and I've consumed a lot more since uh, actually since I met you. I think you you really introduced me to anime as a, as a more of an accessible medium because I thought it was you know something you couldn't really find otherwise. Um, I, the messages that they leave with you, I think, is are really they really just change you, like ranging from all sorts of things, you know, relationship advice how to deal with, you know, anything, anxiety, stress, like the old, you know, some kind of ridiculous villain, you know, like self-doubt. I love that. And I, I, I think when the West realized that there are so many messages that can be placed in these and that we're already there, I think that only solidified it as a moneymaker too. So hopefully anime doesn't get, I mean, I feel like it kind of is already in a place where, where we're making live action movies for, I don't even know why sometimes uh, in some situations, <laughs> <clears throat> like, you know, I, so, I mean, some I'm sure are, are okay, but I, I don't understand. I don't understand the rationale of making a two hour movie for like, you know, something that lasts like 20 hours in yeah. an anime, you know, like how- you death note. Exactly. Like, I don't understand how that works, but sure. You know, because they uh, just want they just want the nostalgia, you know. Mm. And I, I always I was just talking about this with Perrine because we again we watched the Cowboy Bebop. Uh, they released the opening credits for what the the show the live action show is going to look like, and they, it is a almost a direct copy of the opening credits for the the anime, just live action. And I'm like, who is this for? Because if if it's this referential to the show, then it's. I guess it's supposed to be for us who have seen Cowboy Bebop, right? But like, we've already seen Cowboy Bebop. So like, is it for the people that haven't seen Cowboy Bebop? Like, it feels like it's for neither of us. Hmm. Hmm. I don't. I just don't know. Like, sure. I would. I guess I would like to rewatch Cowboy Bebop, but in a worse way than the way that I remember it. Mm-hmm. I guess that's a an option. But like it just seems strange to me, like like sometimes when they make these nostalgic cash grabs, like I mean, a live action Death Note doesn't need to be made because the anime was so good. I mean, like what is there to mm-hmm. do? But Cowboy Bebop is going to be a series, though, right? So I think, in my opinion, I think it's a step in the right direction. Um, I don't know if it's going to be as long as the anime or twenty six episodes. I think something along those lines. Um, I think I'm I'm at least happy that it's not a movie. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just that I don't know. I could talk a lot about Cowboy Bebop because you know it's like a a series that is so loose, you know, with its uh with its story. You know, it's like a very loosely told story. It's just a bunch of a bunch of short stories, really, with a couple with a couple overarching narratives that come together at the end, and like. It, it has a very rich world that they could really just write their own stories. And if I wanted to see a live action series, I would rather them just use the world and premise of Cowboy Bebop and tell whole new stories, whole new short stories. Like, let's get a 26 episode show of that that has like just 
them doing different things in space and different adventures with these characters. But instead, they're using the exact same plot lines. Like Mad Puro is shown in that in that trailer. Um, oh, really? Like huh. the, the the lady with the afro. Like you know, all kinds of characters. You'll like as soon as you watch it, you'll see everything. You're like, oh, I remember her. I remember him. I remember them. I remember that. And you're like, okay, but like, why did they like ah? And the thing and Cowboy Bebop itself, right, was not an adaptation of a manga. It was its pure. It was purely an anime only story that was created by you know its creator and so and it knew it was an anime and so like if this if the live action show needs to have that same kind of energy like it needs to know that it's a live action show and use that to its strength and its benefit instead of like just trying to be an adaptation mm-hmm. i and, hear like, that I, I, there's, I think there's totally space for that. And like, that would be enjoyable for everyone, you know? Like it's a sec- it would be a complimentary like part. It would, it would go with hand in hand with Cowboy Bebop instead of like a weak kind of replacement, if that makes sense. Yeah. Huh. Well, time will tell, you know, I will, yeah. we'll, watch, we'll watch it, you know, we'll see what it's about. I but... try to keep an open mind. Yeah, no... I think I have a hard time with live action. For, I mean, especially with video game movies or video game inspired whatever show. It's oh, like, yeah. It's just, it's always been rough. Like, you've just, I've been burned too many times by like, oh, yeah, this is going to be great. I love this series. That's going to be a great movie. And then it's like super awful. Yeah. <clears throat> but hey, you know, that's life. Um, the message I was going to say that I kind of, took personally that i've gained from like my experience with through nerdy things especially video games um is that things kind of make sense in the world like i've always loved narratives about villains like villains are usually my my favorite character of a, of, a, of any series or video game maybe anime and tv shows and, um, i feel like they're the driving force and I always appreciate a villain that makes sense, that like they're not just an embodiment of evil, but even if they are, they're consistent. Um, so I think of like villains that I just absolutely adore um, and like how they're broken, you know, inside or like feeling helpless mm-hmm. and like or they're not just they're not just monsters, you know, and I think that I've, I've always taken that to heart, like people become whatever they're, you know, they're the product of their environment and their choices. And for yeah. me, that, that that's just, I, I don't know, I, I love that. And that's one thing that video games has taught me. Like, you know, I have choice. I don't have to become this, you know, monstrous person because I was, you know, uh, hurt by this experience as a child um, or even the other day or whatever. Like, I have choice. I don't, I can be, I can be a hero if I wanted to, or I could be a kind person and love other people and like actually benefit um other people and indirectly benefit myself you know so yeah that's something that's something i've uh, think about i do end up think i do think in regards to video games i do think it's interesting especially in like you know the open world open adventure type skyrims and like fallouts rpgs and things like that where you get to make these choices and you have you know uh punishment for this you know and yet i still choose the good route every time i play a game you know it's like what does that say about me and what does it say about like 
a lot of people's choices, like when they play games. I'm not saying that someone who picks the bad route is always evil, because there's all all kinds of you know um, reasons for why people play the way they do. And I can definitely say when I play GTA, I am a murdering monster. <laughs> but like you know, why do we make the choices we make when we play video games? And like I think that there is something that can be said to your character, and I think that. I don't know. At least video games have allowed me to look a little deeper into myself when I uh, choose both the games that I play and how I play them. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I did want to say this. Like, again, I bring up that uh, that path difference in video games where, you know, there's a Nintendo path and like a PlayStation path, because I feel like they spec they spoke to different levels of what was of they spoke to different levels of perceived maturity growing up. Like, I feel like as a Nintendo kid, having a GameCube and a uh, uh, 64 and eventually a Wii, like my systems and consoles were always looked at as the kid systems. You know, that's where you play like the fun and colorful, playful games where no violence is going to happen. And like, it's all, it's like friendly for all ages. It's like Nintendo is the Studio Ghibli of video games. And like, meanwhile, the PlayStation had the edgy shit. You know, you had zombies, you had people throwing their sons into a volcano <laughs> you got a meteor crashing on someone and getting stabbed with a sword like <laughs> i'm talking about all kinds of crazy stuff like playstation had the games that people would claim were for adults the darker things and things like that and so like in that way growing up with those nintendo systems i felt like i matured at a different rate than my friends who did have playstation and like xbox and stuff like that because like i felt like they kind of when they, they looked at the things that I played and my interests as something that they kind of grew out of, like they were in that burgeoning phase of your formative years where you're finally starting to let go of your childhood and start to be more interested in more teenager stuff. And so like, I didn't really become like a, an appropriate teenager until like later than my, uh, my peers, because I felt like I was still so interested in so much of the animated, colorful, playful youth of, the games that I played. So it affected my development in that way. Mm. Interesting. <clears throat> Never thought about it that way, but you know, that makes it because I was a PlayStation guy. So I grew up fast, you know, <laughs> I, <laughs> I was smoking cigarettes. and drinking yeah. beer. <laughs> I was paying, paying rent. By 15. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I never thought, you know, I, that makes sense though. I mean, it was a very different, uh, get the word I'm looking for. It's just, but there is a punishment in a sense. There is a response to that yeah. kind of, to those and, actions. And there's no, it's not like there's unlimited possibility in a game. Like, like you truly got to think about that. Like, I can't go in Grand Theft Auto, let's just say Grand Theft Auto uh, Vice City. You can't go into buildings. You can't climb buildings. You can't do, so. you can't even swim in those Yeah, for, yeah for most <laughs> of them, yeah. You cannot swim. No, and like there are like literally those kind of limitations in games. Like you, like, I think I do think there is a perspective out there that says that thinks in games you can do absolutely anything. If you want to uh, do a very specific sexual act in Grand Theft Auto, you can do that. Like, well, no, you can only do what's pro, you know, what's programmed, you know, or you know, whatever. Right. And you know, even whatever. that is just like a glitch that you have to do in very specific circumstances. That's actually not even possible to do anymore. So like, <laughs> yeah, and like people think like, oh, it's like they're virtually living through games, and like, well, no, the, 
they're living within the boundaries of the get the game has. Like Minecraft, you can't just like I don't know, you can't just pee or do I don't know. I'm just thinking of ridiculous things. Like you can't just do crazy ridiculous things in the game. Like yeah, you can get ridiculous within the set the boundaries of the game itself, but you can't do anything. Um, and, and for even me, if you could, it wouldn't be like something that you should put as a negative for games. That's a positive. Being able to do anything is like freeing and imaginative and creative. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where, like, you know, games taught me, like, at least logistics-wise, like, how games can function. Uh, like, you know, I, I, and I talk about this with uh, Elena, too, like, how um, I'm experienced enough where I can pick up a game and tell you, like, oh, well, these are the boundaries. You can't, you know, you can't go over those walls. Here's this, you know, like, this isn't what's, this is what's possible. This is where you should go. And I've heard that, like, how do you even know where to go in the game? Like, well, you just, you just kind of know. You know, you, you can see like, oh, there's so much foliage over there. It's acting as a wall. So like, I can't go that way clearly, you know? So right. like you kind of, that, and it's helped me kind of realize that games are just essentially puzzles. Um, all games are, in my opinion, like are just are. puzzles with extra steps. Like, you know, an RPG game has, a, there are, you know, if you let a computer play it, it will know exactly how to go through it. You know, there's a, there is a, best route for all these things um i think that's kind of why i like speedrunners because they even especially if they're they allow glitches like you know they figured out you know they (laughs) figured out pathways that are clearly exist in the game like are possible um yes and and like i like that kind of like wow it's just like it shows you how you you know how the game works very very intricately yes shout out to awesome games done quick that is always a great part of the year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's one of my takeaways. Like, it helps me identify what's possible in, in game. Like, I like trying to think that I'm a, a good problem solver in the real world, and I think video games helps me with that. Like, it sh- it shows me what boundaries and what I need to think about. Like, nothing's just magic. Nothing's just exists. Like, there are, there are mechanics to all things in life. Ooh, um, I got one. I got a good one. Uh, a lesson I learned from games, always explore all my options. You know how when you're in a video game and like you're in like a hallway, right? And then it forks off in two paths. <laughs> yep. You already know in your mind how you feel about this. You're like, okay, so I'm going to take a, a couple steps into the left path and then see if it goes to a secret thing. And if it doesn't, then I'm going to go back and run to the right path. <laughs> <laughs> If there's a cutscene, I went too far. Yeah, I know. Like, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> that happened to me in The Last of Us 2 a lot. <laughs> oh, yeah. They, and where they lock you, too. And you're like, yeah. oh, you can't go back. Yep. And you're like, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> or like how yeah. you how you know. How, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, just. <laughs> no, you go. <laughs> I was going to say, you know how like in games where you're like, okay. I, you know, I can see the map. I can clearly see that the, the the game wants me to go through this door because it's red or because there's like a press X to interact with this door, even though you haven't had to do that for any other door in the game. You're like, all right, I know exactly where I need to go. I'm going to hug the wall to the left and just cover the entire perimeter, make sure I don't miss anything, any secret. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's taught me like, you know, like I, you can't just rush through games. Yeah. Um, like when I see like certain young people or people just, just don't care, I guess. Like, oh, I'm gonna play this game. 
oh, looks like I got to go that way. I'm going to go that way. Like, well, what are you doing? You're missing all the, you know, all the ammo. You're missing all the, the little, little secrets. Exactly. What do you think, what do you think is in that door over there? And like, well, what does it matter? Like, I got to go over here. And like, well, there's things, you know, there's, there's experiences you're missing. It helps you learn to exercise your agency. You know, you can't just follow directions. Direct, you can't just follow directions to a T. That's both in the game and in real life, you know? You can't just do what, exactly what people are told of you. You have to do some critical thinking of your own. And so these other paths exist as a metaphor for, like, in life, where you, sometimes you need to do things on your own and figure things out for yourself. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And, there, and it can be rewarding. And sometimes it can be very painful, like when you find, like, a mimic in a chest. <laughs> oh, Dark Souls has taught me so many things in life, to be honest. I love that series. Demon Souls too. I really want to play Kingsfield, but yeah, that's a it's a conversation for another day. <laughs> yeah, let me let me know when you play Kingsfield. I'd love to hear about that experience. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, but I, I was gonna say I think I think this has been a wonderful conversation about just some of the things we've got you know kind of experience in the past with media. Um, I don't know, how how you feel? You feeling like this is this is good? It is good. I All think right. we've said a lot. You know, lots to think about. A lot, yeah. You back home, well, whoever's listening, think about it. Think about stuffs. Yeah, think about your favorite things that you experience. You know, maybe even send something over. I don't know. We don't have anything to send <laughs> anything, any yeah. place for you guys to send things to us. But just know that. Just think about what we said today. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. No, I thought this was great. Um, Thank you all for listening. And uh, yeah, we got, we'll have some more episodes coming out eventually. Just times are, times are tough. It's just so busy. So yeah. busy. And uh, also, I want to say happy October to you, John. This is your birthday month. And it's it also Perrine's birthday month. And it's so many of my favorite people's birthday month. And it's also just the best month ever. It's Spooktober. Just, I'm so happy just to be in this great 31 days of life. And we have some fun stuff planned for this uh, month as well. So, you know, just get ready, guys. Yeah. So, yeah, thank you all. Um, enjoy your life. And, uh, yeah, we'll catch you next time.